thank you all for coming back to Arts for All Kentucky Stories. I'm Sam Kirby. I'm happy to still be your host. They still let me keep coming back. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank the Kentucky Department of Education Office for Special Education and Early Learning and the Kentucky Arts Council for making this possible. Uh, so thank you so much. And uh, we're excited to have Sonia Bird here with us. But Hi. just for a spotlight on you this time, you've been <laughs> you've been on a couple of them uh, I'm with, with students of yours. Solo, yeah. This mm. is uh, the front row seat, so glad to be here. Yes, thank and, you. And we were talking beforehand and and trying to kind of navigate where to go because we've definitely learned a lot about your perspective and your approach and working with students over the couple podcasts that you've been on with us. But there's also this other side to Arts for All and a lot of what you focus on that's adult programming. So let's kick it off from there and see where that takes us. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And I've been on speaking of adults or nearly adult students, but there were individual students, an artist registry student, Michael Dixon, and then a podcast with Neva O'Keefe as a high school age student who's now off at college. But those were as a one-to-one teacher. But a lot of what I do are group classes and they're group classes, particularly with adults with developmental disabilities. I've been drawn into and worked with that population for a long time, even before I started exploring art as a passion of my own. I worked through college with folks, helping them become independent. And then when I came to Kentucky, first I went into community habilitation, what used to be known as sheltered workshops. So I started building relationships there with folks because that's where you find adults with developmental disabilities during the day after they graduate from high school. Folks that can work or do other stuff might be in a community habilitation or an adult day health care program. So as I became an artist and then began connecting those two things, which is really the niche spot of arts for all itself, which is disability and arts, So classes for those folks during day-to-day to give stimulation and outlet and expression became just a perfect little spot for me to kind of sit into. And that's my thing. Those are my people. You say that those with disabilities that are over 18 or reach that adult threshold are generally overlooked. Like it seems like there's obviously continual ways to grow and support your school age children with disabilities as they grow up. But then once they're adults, is there a gap there? Oh, yeah, for sure. When you're school age, you know, it's required by law that our public schools serve our folks with and without disabilities. And that funding is provided there, of course, through tax dollars. And some of those tax dollars indeed come to us for our K through 12 programming. So for adult programs, we rely on private fundraising dollars. And so that takes a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, looking around for little pots of money to come together to pay for myself, for supplies and for travel to access these folks and they're a little, sometimes a little bit harder to find, too, a place for your family member with a disability, you know, if they're having trouble getting a job, which is often hard, you know, where are they going to be? So finding those people and getting in. So it's important to build partnerships with folks like, for me, um, companies like Life Skills, which I had previous work experience, also work at Medical Center Adult Daycare. I think you've been up there. I've 
trying to go up, for example, at a conference up here for exceptional children, I'll partner with other organizations and say, oh, where are these people? And I find them and then I can get in. Right now I'm working with a grant from the Community Foundation of South Central Kentucky to provide paint-along workshops for folks in the Brad region, and this is my third year, so I continue to develop that program. But again, you have to find private dollars to serve adults with. There isn't big tax-funded pieces for that. Once you're able to line those up, what do those sorts of activities look like? Yeah. And, what, and what does that do for them? So it's, it's evolving. So my first year with this piece, we did kind of a traditional paint along ideas, which would be just paintings that are, you know, probably public domain type images, holiday type images, more in the, you know, arts and craft interior design, you know, paint some flowers, paint a holiday portrait. And it went well. It also gets a base of basic artistic skill going for folks. You might have folks that have different languages or lack of language or low vision. So I'll learn to work with that group, build a relationship. It went really well. And we also take pieces from that and make shows that can travel around and expose people to art done by folks with developmental disabilities, which, you know, we regularly can surprise people with how beautiful that expression can be. The second year to keep myself excited and engaged and to add an education component, I wanted to study some of what we call like the masters. I'm like, how can I like take it up to the next level, as we say. So last year, each group that I went to visit studied a Monet. Each location had a different one so that I'd have a broad variety of pieces. And then the next time I went around, we did a Van Gogh. And so then we made a show with that. And it's rather extraordinary to break these paintings down in such a way that everyday folks can get something out of it. Think about the classic sunflowers, you know, beautiful pieces. This year, to grow and add, to keep going, for one, I wanted to go to women artists. So I'm like, okay, the masters are often traditionally men. So we picked women artists and more modern. So everybody did a Georgia O'Keeffe. We're still in the process of working through those partner classes. And then the second painting they'll do will be somebody even I just discovered in looking up to keep myself stimulated and excited and learning. Her name is Etel Adnan. And I think she's Turkish and she's got really unique modern landscapes and non-traditional colors. I feel like we're all evolving through our art. All these folks from very traditional make this flower, make this tree to expressionism, impressionism with the Van Gogh Monet's. And now we're moving into modern where no longer is the sun yellow. The sun might be green. The sun might be a strange, weird, it's more about feelings in line. And because I have a relationship built with these folks, they trust me. They trust me to do something that's weird, you know? (laughs) So like, I can see that like, if I can keep going, like one day we'll be doing deliberate abstracts, you know? It's just, I have a great time. I'm so lucky to be able to be given access to these folks. I think we're bringing meaning and expression to them, and it's just my favorite place to be in. What do you think it makes them feel like to see themselves advancing? And then as a group, like to be like, you know, I made a smiley face before, and now I'm dissecting, you know, Monet and, you know. Yeah, well... 
a lot of the times the world doesn't treat them like fully formed and expressive adult humans. Sometimes they're perceived. Well, you, can, you can see you can see that in the way that people talk to people like adults yeah. with disabilities, or even just speaking to them as if they're children or childlike mm-hmm. and they like childish things or whatever those are. So there's just a maturity, you know, as I get to know people and I build the relationship, like one of the things is to allow freedom of movement during the lesson. So as I build a relationship with folks, even if they're working in probably quite a regimented day program you can't just be running around loose but I'm like if you need to go get a brush that you like better please get up and go help yourself to a brush as much autonomy and choice as I can get there even to very small things also they can decline to use a color like if my color is too weird and you want green I will make that available and those tiny little bits of choice and self-determination aren't available to everybody, especially our folks with disabilities, especially our folks with intellectual disabilities. A lot of choices get made for them. And it's pretty radical what an hour of choice and expression can do for somebody. One of the previous episodes that we were talking about, like the, I don't remember who it was, whenever they go into a workshop sort of scenario they really try to break down this idea of teacher-student to make it more collaborative, but the barrier that they have to come over is like having to allow the students to give themselves permission to state their opinion or to kind of do what they need to do. Like, is that something you have to overcome? Like where you're like, in your head, you're just like, I can't believe I'm having to give you permission to do this. Like, you you should do this. You're an adult. Yes. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. I verbalize that pretty regularly, especially as I go. And sometimes I go into a place and I don't have a history with these folks. And so you spend some time, you're just absorbing like who's communicating, who can sit next to each other, who's going to be the comic of the room that I need to make sure I handle that just like a classroom teacher or probably any speaker anywhere once you get the lay of that land, you understand, yes, you grant them permission. It's like, it looks like you're not happy with what's happening here. Is there something I can help you with? Would you like a different brush or a different color? For example, I did a class here last night at the conference, and these are with normies, (laughs) people with no identified disabilities. It was funny. There was a little last touch on it was with a color that was a little bit odd. And Even in that group, I said, now we're going to add this to it, but this will be weird for some of you and feel free to decline. And so in a class of 16 last night, and these are teachers that I was doing development with. So I had three and I, as I came back, I'm like, would you like this? And I'm like, no, I'm like, all right. And so to make sure that I'm treating and interacting with my folks with disabilities in the very same way, not assuming that I know better or that my way's best. And some of the most gorgeous pieces that come out of these classes are when I give them a very concrete representational painting and the way their brain sees it is fully abstract. But they made it with the brushes and the colors I gave them, but it evolved into something there's no way I could have predicted or imagined. And that's cool because I struggle with abstract. I really do. So... Mm-hmm. I really, I love it when that happens. How do you think the the idea of like doing the shows 
and putting all the work out there for people to see. And I believe it's just in the hallways there in some cases, but like generally, like when you have these shows up, what is the reaction first from the participants of the workshop? Like what is their reaction to seeing their art? displayed it legitimizes it it makes it it's like the difference between having your mom hang your picture on the fridge and it being up in a public space i mean it's humble places that show our stuff honestly we love our local libraries often libraries have space but when i can go back to the folks and say and i'll send out a message to their parent or guardian family i'm like hey look so-and-so's art is hanging at the Warren County Library in a show there, and oftentimes they'll be for sale. We had three sales out of last year's show, and so I was able to go back to those places and present checks to three artists and for them to add another piece, you know, like, who are you? Well, I'm Sonia. I'm a teacher. I'm an artist. I'm like, really? Are you an artist, Sonia? I'm like, yeah. Like, Once my you hand arts... them the check, though, they are a professional. Yeah. I'm like, I'm an artist. My art's in shows. Sometimes it might be just a frame. I mean, take a piece of something you did and put it in a frame. It just looks more official. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. Sign it. Sometimes you have to make people sign it. I'm like, you you need to sign that. That's art. So it's going to make that person, what they feel about themselves, about what they're capable of. Next time somebody asks, can you do this? They're more likely to say, oh, yeah, I can. Mm -hmm. I know how to do that. Yeah, it builds that you know, confidence. Every single piece of achievement is cumulative. I like connection to family with art too. When I go somewhere, it tickles me to no end. There's folks that are like, well, you know, I get this from my grandma. And I'm like, really? And she's like, oh yeah, my grandma was an artist. She did this and this and this. So whether it's, you know, cooking or knitting or painting, There is often some sort of family history or connection or a pride or something. That's really fun to see, to feel like they've received this family gift of talent of Mm -hmm. some such thing. So what are the reactions of people who stumble upon or, or see these shows? What I'm trying to get at is hopefully there's a difference between being impressed and being surprised. Yes, there is, because I mean, when you walk in and see an art show, you probably don't assume that the artist is an artist with a disability. And that's just because we all come from where we are. So when they go over and maybe they read the little poster that goes along and see it, be like, oh, okay. So this person can contribute to my world in a way that I didn't expect or give them credit for. Sometimes we make art and the ability to produce art something a little too magical i think everyday art should be explored as much as masterful art you have to paint poorly first (laughs) now these shows are gorgeous and i'm really proud of them in the pleasing way but art isn't just about being pretty it might be about a feeling And that's why some of these modern pieces are really intriguing for people because they might be deceptively simple in line and color, but it's more about a feeling that you see or someplace that it takes you. From an art standpoint and speaking just a little bit of my day-to-day in design, like simple's hard. Yes. I've even been surprised. So this year is the most modern takes 
and, you know, circles and, and triangles. And it's, it's sort of blown my mind. Like I, I knew as an artist myself, I'm always coming up and learning from my teachers. I'll be like, oh, can I paint this? And my teacher's like, whoa, you're biting off a little more than you could chew. And I'm like, really? So I have a teacher's eye more developed now, but it's also interesting. So these folks have, especially if they're in a segregated day program, staff that have very well established concepts about their folks, and it might be kind of limited. So it's really, really fun to blow their minds. <laughs> you know, you have to kind of keep your cool, but they give their folks to me for an hour and they're like, oh, I'll be back in a little bit. And they'll have painted something. And they come in and there. You can kind of see it's like, oh, oh, these are cool. I'd like to live in a world, though, where those people are impressed, but they're not surprised. It's okay to surprise them. It's maybe one day we won't be, but I'll take that for now. Honestly, they're gorgeous. Like one of the places that we can put up our art is a big design house up here in Louisville, Bendy Carroll Hellage. We bring in rotating art shows for them every three months. And I like to think that it probably is an awesome reception for creative people to have this new batch of unthought of stuff showing up on their walls. And, and I'm like, I bet they really love this stuff a lot. So this year, besides going modern and from women, the extra piece that we added was a vocational link, which was, I uh, will have painted with them for two sessions with two new artists and two new sets of colors. And then I will go back for a third session this time. And we're going to talk about how to market their art and sell it and low cost reproducible items using the cell phone. Everybody has cell phones now, even adults with disabilities and children said everybody has a cell phone. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to teach them how to take a photograph of an original piece of art, one of their canvases, and how to crop it and edit it down and send it to someplace like a Walmart or Walgreens that can print it on a magnet or note cards or keychains or something like that where, you know, everybody's gig economy now, you know, and folks with disabilities do have to pay attention to how much they earn outside if they're on disability, but chances are they can make a little bit of money with their art. They're more likely to sell a $5 item 10 times over than one canvas for $50. When my folks paint paintings, I don't underprice. I say, this is worth $50. I don't care who you are, your time. But we can make 10 keychains for $5 and sell those. So I'm really excited to add that vocational piece to folks or just for gift giving too. So that's the next level that I took it to for this year. Take your passion and then make a few bucks out of it. Mm -hmm. I like that evolution of the focus and even thinking to like the Ron Billings Award, like and the opportunity to then take that a next step. Like, hey, this isn't just something that, you know, I as somebody with a disability in the adult daycare do an art class every so often mm -hmm. and that helps build me. But then there's kind of a next level, like the fact that there's like a pathway towards like if I want to learn more about how to earn some side money with my art. If I want to double down and make this real for me, you guys provide a, some strategy. Yeah, yeah. Like some of the folks, like maybe they're going to have a little table at the local farmer's market and sell some items. Or I've got a young student that has been just out and connecting and increasing those social skills along with vocation in her art. So yeah, I'm excited to add that vocational piece to it. Thank you all for tuning into Arts for All Kentucky Stories. 
It's a great opportunity for us to showcase our artists and students and parents, families impacted by Arts for All Kentucky, and to talk more about how the arts is an opportunity that's unifying and inclusive for those with disabilities. Again, we'd like to thank the Kentucky Arts Council and the Kentucky Department of Education Office for Special Education and Early Learning for making all of this possible. We invite you to follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Spotify or YouTube, where we release the podcast to stay up to date with new releases. Again, my name is Sam Kirby, and thanks for the opportunity to host this show.